0: it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode.
1: This episode has been brought to you by The Afterlight Institute. The Afterlight Institute is a community of teachers and students seeking to expand their spiritual gifts and their inner wisdom on the road to illuminating their forgotten selves. Offering online courses, in-person retreats, live events, online expositions, and more, The Afterlight Institute is a safe and inclusive space for all. To learn more, head to theafterlightinstitute.com.
0: Lauren Grace here and welcome to the show. And I'm joined today by Katie Beecher. She is a licensed professional counselor and medical and emotional intuitive with over 30 years of experience. She's been featured in Goop, Courtney Kardashian's website, Push, and Miranda Kerr's Cora Organics blog. Katie has a unique way of working with clients. She creates a detailed, individualized physical, emotional, and spiritual report and symbolic painting before ever even seeing them talking with them, or seeing a photograph. Katie recently launched her new book, Heal From Within, an intuitive guide to wellness. And she's joining me today to talk about her new book. It is it is wow, y'all. It is wow. And we're going to be talking about Well, so many things I was saying to Katie before I hit record that there were so many angles that I really felt called to go into, but today I really feel like we're going to be talking a lot about the power of intuition, how to listen to your intuition and how intuition can help you throughout the healing process. We're going to be talking about what happens to emotions if you just bury them down deep and suppress them. And we're also going to talk about the importance of using language when you're speaking about your ailments, such as my headache and my anxiety and whether or not that is actually the proper way of explaining when you're having an ailment, or maybe there's something else that can help you along that journey. So Katie, welcome to the show. I love talking to you. So thank you so much for being here, my girl.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: So Katie's been on the show today. So for our listener at home, they know that I always like to talk um, with my, my guests all the time about how their spiritual journey began. I mean, I'm sure we're going to have some sort of content here that we also talked about in our first episode but i i'm going to kind of refrain from asking questions that i asked in that episode so i will put a link to that first show in the show notes for our listener at home but Katie, before we sort of get started into you know, where your book came from, what inspired it, maybe can you tell me and our listener at home a little bit about how your spiritual journey began? Because I'm under the impression it started from a very young age and it seemed to me like you were very self-aware while you were quite young. Yes, that is,
1: that is very true. Um, I, I always remember just knowing things about people, being super sensitive, um, feeling things, um, just know, like having this knowing about um, what people were like or what they wanted or their motivations or just if they were like good or I don't wanna say bad, but you know, there are people who are. um, um, Disingenuous. Okay, perfect. There you go, perfect. So yeah, I remember being able to pick that up at a very, very young age and I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was. It was just kind of natural to me but I remember being three and looking up at my parents and saying, you guys do not have what it takes to raise me. Like I'm on my own here and I am a more mature soul or something, but I, you know, this is up to me. So, um, so I distinctly remember that and kind of quickie version. I know we probably talked about it before but I developed an eating disorder, Um, was fortunate enough to find a Jungian counselor after calling her pediatrician. And she really helped me to find my intuition, to recognize my spiritual and intuitive gifts and be okay with talking to dead people and knowing things that no one else knew. And um, she helped me see that the eating disorder was such an important part of my life Mm -hmm. and such a gift. And I still look at it that way. And that... If it were not for that experience like not gonna lie recovering was the hardest thing i ever did um not because of the giving up of the behavior or the thoughts but because i had to learn to love and accept myself Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so there, there there's that you know but um it was really one of the best things that ever could have happened because i would have kept hating myself and not being true to who i was and just trying to be who everybody else wanted me to be and caring more about what they thought than I did. So um, yeah, became a licensed counselor, worked really intuitively and just kept kind of learning about my gifts and my abilities as they popped up, whether I wanted them to or not. (laughs) uh, Found out I can do this medical intuition stuff and it's, it's my thing now.
0: You know, it's, it's funny and also not funny, but I think that, you know, there's a lot of commonality that people have with hating themselves. I hated myself for so long and, you know, I had to put in so much work to like really overcome that. And I will say that it's funny because I just turned 39 and I had this whole episode about my realizations, you know, and um, one of the things that I realized is that you can still put in all the work, but you, it's like a consistent base consistent thing. You have to keep showing up for yourself. You have to keep building in confidence and building in self-love. And I don't know what your experience is, but for me, I guess on some level, I really wanted to sort of set it and forget it. But I realized now that growing in, in self-love and accepting myself the way that I am is an ongoing process. Now in your book, you actually start off by saying that with connection to intuition, self-love and acceptance, we can heal from anything. Well, that's make me emotional, I guess. Why did you start the book like that? Because as
1: I was recovering, that's what I kept hearing from my guides. You know, my intuition, my guides, God, whatever you want to call it. Mm. That is literally the phrase that that kept playing. And still, when people ask me what I believe and why I wrote the book and, and what really the essence of it is, it's that. Because... That is what healed me. Isn't it wasn't going to treatment, it wasn't medicine, it wasn't there's nothing wrong with that stuff. I had to take an antidepressant, it It saved my life, it's all fine, whatever you need to do. Um, but it was really that connecting to who I was, um, that inner voice, the self-love, the self-acceptance. And as I work with people, I just it keeps coming up over and over and over again. Mm. It's it's very hard to listen to what your body needs to be healthy or heal if you hate yourself and you hate your body. Mm -hmm. And if you are ignoring what you need and ignoring what's important to you, and you get into relationships where you're being mistreated, or you're in a job that you hate, or you are supposed to be a creative person and you're being a right brain person or whatever left brain person um, that's all about going against who you really are and not listening to what you need and not nurturing yourself mm-hmm. and it all ties into the emotional and physical stuff
0: yeah, it's so funny how you know sometimes we go through these challenges in life or maybe even our listener at home might be experiencing challenges right now in real time and And very often they can be the biggest blessings, can't they? They can be the the catalyst or they can be the window that, you know, you can finally see out of and you're like, oh, wait a minute. This is what I can use to step forward, you know, Um, much like when you're talking in your book about your eating disorder and you mentioned it off the top here about how that was a gift for you to be aware maybe that you weren't loving yourself and be aware that that was a journey that you needed to go on. So do you think that a lot of us tend to, you know, want to avoid these things because I don't know, maybe it's uncomfortable to go through those, those conversations or to go through those growing pains.
1: Oh my God, for sure. And, you know, at the time, if you had told me that what I was going through was the best thing that ever happened to me and it was gift. I would have been like, uh, screw you. Like, and there are people who get mad when I write things like that or call me an ableist or whatever. And I'm like, I am not discounting the pain that you are in or the struggle, or I am not discounting any part of your experience. Um, it's just a different way to look at things. And I will always ask people, how did this experience change your life? And they could be mad as hell. They could be whatever, but they they always say, well, yeah, like it really did totally change me. Like I learned I had to take care of myself or I learned that I had to say no, or I started down this spiritual journey or, you know, whatever the thing is. And what, what you said about kind of the ongoing journey <laughs> ongoing of self-love and self-acceptance. You know, oh, dear God, like, it would be great Like I could say I've been doing this th- for 30 years and I got it down pat, but uh, no. And, you know, <laughs> still, I'll catch myself looking in the mirror, like, it's something I don't particularly like and focusing on that. And I'm like, you know better. Yeah. You so know better to do that. And like, you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to, you yeah. know, I think it's so ingrained in us, But um, but yeah, it's, and I have, you know, my husband and my daughters to remind me, you know, mom, you're being really hard on yourself, so like knock it off. So that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, it totally is. And it's funny because I was I was telling you before I hit record that I haven't finished your book yet because as I got into it, I thought, oh, I'm just gonna rip through this and you know, and then I'll be able to talk to you and, about your book and everything. And then I realized, wait a minute, I actually have to put some effort in while reading this book. This book is a is a guide and it's a Bible and it's a self-exploration into self and it's an opportunity to, um, you know, to grow in self-awareness. And so did you sort of start off writing the book with that in mind? Did you see something that you, you know, was maybe not in the market that you were looking for yourself and thought that you would create it? How did it sort of happen for you?
1: Yeah. Um, first of all, I'll pay you hundred dollars to put that on Amazon, by the way, um, <laughs> <laughs>
0: done. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, so I've known, again, since I was in my recovery process that I'd be writing this book. And the purpose was to show people that you can go through hell, that you can get through it, that you're stronger than you think, that you can connect a spirit, you know, that there's more than just the crap that we've been through. And I developed these techniques over the 30 years, as well as learned more and more and more about Jungian psychology and how it's helped me. And so I wanted—I not everybody can afford a reading, or it's not available to everybody, or whatever. So mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of take people through doing a reading on themselves, and being able to pinpoint, you know, their their stuff and what might be causing it, and going through their own journey at their own pace, and actually using some of the tools, yeah. you know, that I use in my readings, um, but it is different from anything else out I mean, my work is really different. The way that I work is is different too. So, um, and it's not gonna, you know, not everyone's gonna be into it. It's, it's some work for sure. Um,
0: yeah.
1: But, you know, but is anything not that's really important? Like, I don't, I think healing is really hard work from anything. I yeah. think just getting to know yourself, the self-love thing, the whatever, is meaningful to you is hard work. So, Mm -hmm. and we all, you know, the, the band-aids, the, the trips to the doctors thinking I can just treat this symptom with some medicine or with whatever. Um, Ultimately it doesn't work.
0: Yeah. It's funny because I think that, you know, we tend to avoid Things that are uncomfortable because it's a lot of work. But at the same time, would you say that you can also almost look at it in a different perspective and look at it instead of a chore? You can look at it as an opportunity and you can take it lightly. You know, you can take it with, you know, I I feel like I'm really hard on myself. And I'm sure you have been hard on yourself too. Maybe our listener at home is like, that's me. But, you know, it's really easy sometimes to look at things that you're maybe not great at and feel and kind of punish yourself in a way for it. But would you say that you could also look at it if you just go in with the intention of, hey, this is gonna be a really fun exploration that I'm gonna do right now. And I'm not gonna sit here and punish myself. I'm gonna look at the opportunity within this.
1: Well, you know, what's funny is what what that makes me think of is um, I'm kind of addicted to pole dancing and Love it. Right. So I do aerial and the hoop thing and the pole. And when I started, I'm going to be 57 in 10 days. Um, so, you know, I'm not exactly, um, uh, 20. Um, and I started this seriously two and a half, three years ago. It's really hard. It's, it's really hard work. And I go six to eight hours a week. So I just went into it like, I want to do something fun. It kind of reminds me of gymnastics when I was younger. I don't expect it to be easy. Um, Don't really know what to expect, but I'm just going to kind of do something new. And now I'm addicted, constantly challenged. Um, You know, I've had injuries, so I've had to deal with that. Um, You know, the body image thing, you basically have to wear a bikini if you want to stick to the pole so it's been kind of sucking it up if you don't really like how you look today because if you want to go do your sport you got to put that on and be in front of other people um that's kind of what it makes me think of and i've learned i can't be hard on myself in this process i have to be proud of the growth and i have to go back and look at the basic moves that maybe i haven't done in a while and that's all good and just going slowly so that you do it correctly and you don't hurt yourself and with healing and self-exploration and it's it's really the same thing you know it's it's okay if you have to go back to the basics sometimes and and it's not linear you know and if you don't I don't know if you don't do something you want to do in the way you want to do it like that's okay you just no one's perfect we compare ourselves to other people thinking they're perfect and and they're not and yeah
0: yeah, it's just, it's a lot. Well, we're a work in progress. Otherwise we'd be dead. That's what I think, you know, if we weren't learning and being, you know, having things to contribute, we, our time would be, we would be checking out. So I guess my question to you, Katie is what role do you think spirit plays in recovery and healing? For me, it was everything. Um,
1: I wish especially in the eating disorder world, I wish there were more treatment centers that talked about connection to intuition slash spirit. The way that it was taught to me and the way that I still think about that is that intuition is this all-knowing force that is pure love, and it loves us unconditionally, accepts us unconditionally, it's like your dog, you're a cat. They don't care what you're wearing. They don't care what you look like if you have makeup on. They don't care what you weigh. Um, it's just always there, and it has our back, and it guides us, and it's like a best friend. And with that in your life, you don't have to worry so much about what other people think, you know, uh-huh. or or how, um, what they're saying or doing. So, to me, it's such an essential component of healing it's it's why aa and the 12 step programs have worked for so long because you realize that you can't control things and that your way of trying to live your life with your expectations and your shoulds and all that you know it's not really working for you so in order to make changes you have to give that up and you have to rely on something that you can't necessarily see or hear or or feel, um, you know, the more you get into it, the more you can. But, but I just think it's kind of why we're here.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's funny, too, how, you know, sometimes I think we can feel more connected to spirit and other times not. And, um, you know, how do you find that you can sort of overcome those blocks if you're not feeling the connection to spirit, or you are feeling alone? Because, you know, someone listening might be going through a really difficult time right now on their healing journey and and feel alone and maybe know the idea that spirits around, but at the same time not really feel that connection.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you also might feel like you know I've tried all this stuff and yeah. I I don't feel good or you know I've reached out to people and they haven't been receptive or um, you know oh my god another doctor's appointment or another you just you get let down a lot so you start to think, is God there? Is, yeah. is faith there? Does, if you're a good person, just do good things happen to you? Or, you know, can you trust what you've been taught to believe? Um, and it's it's definitely a real struggle. And I think that it can start with finding just one thing or just one person. That you can resonate with or care about. Um, I think it really comes down to love, because if you can, even if it's like being in nature, if it's if it's an animal, if it's some connection to love in some way, where you feel more peaceful, where you feel like there's a connection to something, you know, um, I think that helps you to calm down, to be grounded, to maybe be able to live more in this moment than to live in the pain of the past or the fear about the future. You know, a lot of it is about trying to just be safe now. And it can be really hard as, you know, it's it's not easy. And I've been there, I've wanted to end my life feeling like no one cared, but sometimes it's just about taking taking a chance to try something different. Um, Blind leap of faith a lot, you know? I um, think too,
0: I guess, trusting the process, isn't it? And going slow and a big part, you know, a big word that's coming to me right now is also compassion and understanding that maybe we don't have to have it all figured out right now, but if we take these small micro steps, these micro steps will eventually add up to big changes. And, you know, would you say as well, Katie, that when somebody wants to, you know, kind of leap towards the end, I mean, much like we were talking about, I think off air on this book, you know, sometimes you want to be already at the end, but you have to put in the time and the work and the self-reflection to get there. So would you say that that's a big part of it as well as understanding the journey and also with the journey, like maybe all the things that you can learn along the way? Huge.
1: Yeah, absolutely huge. I mean, like you said, if we already knew it all, we wouldn't need to be here. I think that we make life more difficult by blocking out our feelings and our intuition and our needs. I think that it's not, I don't think it's really meant to be as hard as it is. And the more tuned into spirit intuition yourself you are, the easier it is for you to get those signals to hear about like when you're faced with a choice, let's say you meet somebody and they just don't feel right, but you're like, you know what? They're really cute and they're nice and I like them and I'm going to push those feelings aside and not pay attention. Well, you might've just entered into, you know, a good one, five, 10 years of misery <laughs> by yes. ignoring your intuition. Right. So we're given information all the time that we can choose to trust or not, and I and I think the more we listen, even if it means things are tougher for the short time, like making a tough choice, you know, yeah, because um, it's either just out with that cute person, um, making a tougher choice, and being like, I'm I'm gonna leave now because this doesn't feel right. I think we make things much harder on ourselves than they have to be. I know I do. So.
0: Yeah. Oh no, I'm sure like you're not alone. That's for sure. I think we all do it. I don't know why, but you know, it's definitely probably learned behavior in a lot of, lot of ways. Um, How do you define intuition? And when you were talking there, you kind of made me think about how very often what we do is we struggle with the heart and the head, you know? Mm. So tell me a bit about that. How do you define your intuition? And, um, how have you, you know, I guess been able to sort of identify what your intuition is compared to maybe what your ego might be or your, your head voice, let's say.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I really do define intuition as that all knowing loving voice. It's, it's our source. It's where we came from it. What it's what made us. And because of that, it knows us completely. It. Always knows what's best for us. It always wants what's best for us. So it's never going to steer you wrong. And I think part of what you're talking about is when people say, How do I know that it's my intuition talking to me instead of fear or instead of who the hell knows what? And that's one of the obstacles is kind of overthinking the process of, All right, so I'm hearing this information. Maybe you use one of the techniques in my book and you're writing to it and letting it write back to you. And people always say, well, how do I know it's me? Um, What if it's just some voice in my head? What if it's something I'm making up or just want to hear? Yeah. why Yeah. Why aren't I getting a lot of information? You know, shouldn't it be that there's angels coming down from heaven in front of me and setting off fireworks? And, you know, like what's it supposed to be? So I tell them, first of all, if it's good information, if it feels good to you, it doesn't matter where it comes from. If it comes from yourself, if it comes from your brain, if it comes from the tree, it does not matter. Just go with it. And overthinking is really what gets people in the most trouble because it's like, well, first of all, if I'm wrong, and then I make decisions based on this, then what's going to happen, or people who maybe um, work intuitively for a living or want to. So if I say this, if I'm a medium and I say this and I'm wrong, I'm going to look stupid. Mm. Um, you know Or people who and this can be a tough one, you know, what's fear and what's intuition? And I always say, if something helps you settle down and feel calmer, That's probably intuition, Mm. but if the information makes you feel more anxious, um, more unsure of yourself, something like that, then that's probably fear-based. So people always think, if I listen to my intuition, I automatically have to do what it says. Most of us know what we need to do, or at least we have an inkling, but if we had done it already, life would be better. (laughs) So... What I say is just allow whatever information you get. Just let it be there. And if you choose to, you can respond. Or you can say, I know that, but it's really hard right now and I'm not quite ready. Or, you know what, I hear you. Maybe I can take a little step toward that. Maybe I'm not ready to leave my partner, but, you know, maybe I can start maybe I can actually see a lawyer or maybe I can start looking at where I could possibly live or just you know do little steps toward what you need to do it doesn't happen overnight and people also say well I'm not you you know I'm not like I'm not an intuitive for living or I'm not like blah blah blah." first of all you don't have to be I'm about as non-woo as you can get other than I do weird work but (laughs) even when (laughs) right um (laughs) even when I get ready to do a report for somebody because I do that before I meet with them. I get nervous before everyone Mm. because even though I've done zillions of them and my guides are always right on, it's still like, well, what if I screwed up? I really care about what I'm doing. You know, this person has spent a good deal of money. They've invested their time and energy and trust in me. Mm. And, and like, I really care. So even doing this for as long as I've done it, I still get nervous. So it's normal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're saying that because I think there sometimes is an element of perfection that people strive for. And it's really not about that. It's just about honoring where you're at and listening to your own truth. And I really love that suggestion as well about fear versus intuition, because sometimes it's really hard to discern what you know the difference is and you're like well maybe I'm getting this fear feeling because it's a warning but you know a lot of the learning that I've been doing and a lot of the experience that I've had as well is that when spirit talks to you it's actually with kindness and love and in this supportive way and I know that for myself when I put the intention out there of getting guidance or support I learned this very quickly very early on although I will say that I Forgot to ask, do this in you know, in a recent scenario, but I always ask for the lesson to be graceful and with joy and with ease. And I like put in those sort of disclaimers so that you know it can kind of happen and unfold a little bit easier. I guess my question to you is that, you know, where have you seen intuition? help your, yourself in your own life, or even in the lives of, of the clients that you worked with, like have, have you worked with anybody where they maybe weren't aware of their own inner, inner language, inner dialogue, their connection to source and, and you helped them find that. And then once they found that they made these big changes, or, or what about even for you on your own healing journey? How has it sort of helped you? I guess, you know, I love the inspirational stories, which is why I'm putting you on the spot yeah. here. <laughs> um. I mean the answer is how has it
1: not (laughs) yeah it's it plays a part in everything there have been there's so many people who come to me and just think I'm not intuitive I can't connect to that at all and through different techniques and things um, I show them ways that they can start connecting and just listening to themselves and I can honestly say that in every every aspect of my life no matter what if I have not listened to my intuition, then things go wrong. And you sort of started, at the beginning you were talking about like naming symptoms and using my in front of symptoms. So, uh, God, I don't know how long this was ago. Um, I'm gonna guess eight to 10 years ago. Uh, I found out that I had Lyme disease. I knew something was really off and I had had symptoms like, from the time I was a kid of Lyme and and no one ever, of course, even though I lived in Connecticut, no one ever brought that up. So I was kind of treating it symptomatically and whatever. And I just said, something is not right. There's just, and fortunately I have some people that I really trust who have helped me, you know, naturopathically and stuff since I was a kid. So I went and sure enough, I had Lyme, every co-infection, mold, chronic fatigue virus, and I was highly toxic. And oh I'm like, gosh. okay, finally know that, right? right? Um, but it explained a lot, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And so the first thing I said to myself after being initially a little frightened because what you hear about Lyme disease is you never recover, right? And I'm like, I'm not buying into that. Mm-hmm. And so I asked my intuition what this was about. I actually talked to the Lyme disease and asked why it was in my life. You know, what did it want me to know? Why was it here? And I, from my experience, I refused to take ownership of it. I was like, I get it. I'm not denying that this exists, but this is not who I am. I'm not a patient. I'm not a sick person. It, I need to do some work. You know, I need to do some healing, but this isn't my identity. So I decided to use the word Lyme as little as possible because it evokes fear, right? I decided to not use the word my, when I was talking about symptoms, because then I was taking ownership of them. Mm. And when I asked it why it was here, it said, well, you've been putting off writing the proposal for this book for decades now, sweetie, and it's time. <laughs> so finally wrote the proposal, which resulted in this book, because I don't consider myself a writer by any any stretch, but I so badly wanted to get rid of this disease state. And it scared me enough that I went, okay, have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm going to step into this. And, and start researching what a proposal is and what do I want to write about? Cause I hadn't written my book, you know, what do I want to write about? What do you guys want me to write about? This is your book, meaning my guides, you know, so, yeah. um, total leap of faith, totally scared out of my freaking mind and just said, all right. So, um, I have been healed, fully healed for a very long time and I I really do believe it was because I listened to my intuition when it came to not only treatments, but food and things to do for myself. And, and like the whole game, I really looked at it from a holistic point of view and said, what do I need to do to fix this?
0: That's one of the things I wanted to ask you about in just a moment, actually, but before I go there, I, did you um, talk to your Lyme disease, like in your meditation, did you have a meditation and then you asked to speak to it? I guess I'm just curious because if someone at home- is- Oh yeah,
1: no, 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 Yeah, no, I should have explained this. Um, this. All of these techniques are in my book. They're They're all spelled out. So I wrote to it like a person, just like I wrote to my eating disorder, like a person. I wrote to it like it was my friend, hmm. not my enemy, not something I had to get rid of, not something that hated me, not something that was dangerous, but like my friend that was here, for a purpose to help my life in some way. So it's a totally different way of looking at disease than traditional medicine and the way most of us are taught to look at it. So yeah, yeah, the techniques in my book, it's it's very cool. It's it's very freeing because you don't feel like you have to fight.
0: Yeah. I think sometimes too, like people don't wanna talk about stuff. They wanna sometimes just have their own experience with it. I mean, I know that I'm like that. I prefer to just sort of go on my own journey and do my own thing. <laughs> so I think that you yep. know having yep. a writing technique like that is kind of a, a an outlet where you can feel free to just say your truth. Yeah.
1: This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic and miracles within. Yeah, no one's reading it. It's just for you. Yeah. You know. It, it doesn't matter what you write. You can write for five minutes. You can write for an hour. Sometimes I will just say, do you have anything to tell me? You know, you don't mm-hmm. even have to come up with a question or just start writing and ask for some feedback. And there's no right or wrong way to do it. Just whatever feels good to you. Like you have mm-hmm. a friend there who's all, you know, who's there permanently. And it's just like, what do you want to talk about? So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning of the episode as well, these are gifts for you. So for you, it kicked your butt into gear to make this book happen, you know, which is going to help <laughs> thousands and thousands and well, hopefully hundreds of thousands of millions of people. Right. right? Definitely. Yeah. So Definitely, yeah. Um, I guess my question to you now is just about what you sort of alluded to earlier, which is a lot about how, I guess I kind of thought that you know, healing is a lot about what you're eating and a lot of your mindset and things like that. But you do talk in your book about how it's almost more than that. It's about your relationships. It's how, you know, it's about the careers that you're taking on or that you're choosing. It's about your connection with God. It's all these sort of things that, that go into it. Your, your relationship with yourself, your intuition, your, you're growing in self-love. So, you know, the healing journey really isn't just, you know, check that box and then you're good. It's really a holistic thing like you mentioned earlier. So, I mean, do you think that that's sometimes intimidating or, you know, for somebody at home who's going, wow, I need to look at these maybe 10 elements in my life or how would they even begin to get started with maybe establishing a strong foundation or, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, again,
1: I'll spell that in my lovely
0: book. Um, But yeah, it's, you can't
1: take on everything all at the same time. You have to figure out, first of all, what am I feeling? What are these these things that I want to change? Um, get specific with them, label them, figure out what maybe are causing you the most pain. And um, what do you want to tackle first? You know, um, because you're not going to change everything all at once. It's just, it's just impossible. And you want to have small victories. You want to set some goals and even something that you can do in one day, you know, like procrastination is, is a lovely thing. So, and the more you do it, the more anxious you get about it. And it's kind of like, I know I need to do all these things. Like maybe I need to eat healthier food, or I need to go exercise, or I need to write, or I need to, whatever the things you identify that you need to do for you. And they will continue to reveal themselves. You don't have to have all the answers, but start with one Thing, just one thing, an easy thing that you can do in one day. You know, um, I have to return five phone calls. Okay, then just do that for an hour. And you can check something off your list. You can accomplish something. You can feel like I'm not procrastinating anymore. I got that done. I can be proud of myself. Um, I can move on to other things because anxiety and procrastination keep us from moving forward. Um, you know, so there's, there's a reason for that too, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's really about getting to know you and, and what you need and picking somewhere to start. That's what I encourage in my book is just, let's just identify the stuff first, pick one thing. That you want to work on and we'll start there
0: yeah and maybe even when you choose the most important thing that the other stuff will go away because maybe it was the big the big thing you need exactly to work out.
1: exactly yeah, yeah it's all connected it's all connected for sure because things like um yeah like your career or needing to be more creative or wanting to you know whatever if we're unhappy in one area of our life, that just spreads to the rest of our lives. Yeah. So if we help ourselves be happier in general, um, like for me, if I didn't do pole, I, I would be in a horrible mood all the time. I would be really tired. I wouldn't eat as well. I wouldn't be as strong. I wouldn't get to that, just that one thing spills over into everything else in my life and makes everything else better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that's yoga. And I know when I don't do yoga, I'm way too much in my head. And the minute I go and I do some yoga, it's like self-corrects me. So it's, it's great to find that one thing that really can help you. One of the things that you talk about as well in your book are suppressed emotions. And I know that, you know, I feel like in society that we're really encouraged to suppress our emotions because, You know, too much anger is, you know, uncomfortable for people or too much crying or, you know, anything like that. And so I even think that and correct me if obviously you don't agree with me, but that, you know, antidepressants often can also help suppress these sort of emotions. And I guess my question to you is, you know, if somebody is in that situation, if they are looking to sort of release maybe some of these emotions, I know I was listening to Louise Hayes book. She was talking about mm-hmm. when you have a lot of anger to like smash pillows and yell in your car and right. and do this. And I I really would like to give it a go, but I also feel nervous right. about t- trying it because it's just not my natural, you know, tendency. Right. Yeah. So thoughts on that? So,
1: I think our society is very funny right now because we've been very repressed, and yeah. a lot of us. We're taught not to talk and not to have feelings and we don't want to hear it and blah 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 so we have a society of people who don't share enough and don't release enough and then we have the opposite of that of people sharing too much and just releasing too much stuff and not having that boundary so i think it's important to find a middle ground um but what i tell people um and sometimes this can be scary about connecting to intuition is that When you quiet your mind, you're left alone with yourself and your thoughts.
0: And that's why a lot of people (laughs) avoid it as well.
1: (laughs) well. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You don't have that distraction of, of chaos or of illness or of, you know, so it takes a lot of courage to just be alone with you and put all that other stuff aside because And I felt this way when I was recovering. I felt like if I allowed whatever I was feeling inside that it was so painful or so scary or so shameful or so whatever adjective you wanna use, I thought I couldn't handle it. I thought I was gonna fall apart, but I wasn't conscious of that. It was just, you can't do that because you've been rejected for sharing your feelings or ridiculed or told you were too sensitive or things like that. So I think the first step is allowing yourself to feel without judgment and then thinking about who who is safe to express them to. Because in a lot of our lives, there's people who have not treated us well when we've expressed our feelings, who don't wanna hear it, who make us feel worse, who um, don't really care what we have to say, frankly, you know, and will continue to act in a hurtful way even if we tell them. So the first step is just feeling, then deciding what you want to do with it. You might just need to say it to yourself. You might just need to write it down. You might just need to be like, yeah, that's how I feel, whatever um, then you decide, do I need to do something with this? And what can I do that would be productive and safe? Mm. So, you know, there's lots of, of pieces of it. It starts with yourself, but I think that, and I do it too. We have no patience, you know, you loading something on the, on your phone. And if it takes longer than two seconds, it's slow. Um, but it's sort of like, you don't have to immediately act on whatever you think or feel you can just allow it and let it be there and then you know um, then see what happens with it listen to your intuition about it you know
0: yeah um, so if that
1: answered your question
0: yeah, no, I think it did, and and I also, you know, you made me think about it. I remember a friend; she taught me as well that if you're ever having uncomfortable feelings and you're noticing them, instead of suppressing them down, breathing mm-hmm. breathing them in through your heart is also really helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of like what you're saying there, where you just allow it to be. Whereas so often we try to avoid it. Oh, I'm going to distract myself by doing something, you know, maybe Yang energy, like run or you know, do something to Mm -hmm. kind of let it go. But when you just sit with it and just allow it to be, I mean, it's very often that you can actually just let it flow through you and out instead of just keeping it inside.
1: And also I work with a lot of people who've been through trauma. So they replay that or they feel like during the time of that trauma that they didn't have any power. You know, that something happened to them that they don't. And because that happened, that's the way their life is going to play out. And so they now don't have any control. They don't know how to empower themselves. They are afraid of it happening again. So you always have to be on guard. You can't let your guard down for one second. Mm. And what I like to tell people is you've been through the worst of it already you know you you've survived the worst of that already so everything after that you know look how strong you are even if you don't feel like it you know you've been through something you're, you're still here you know exactly so what could you possibly feel now that would be harder than that mm. it's putting mm-hmm. everything in perspective
0: beautiful how important is being present in the work that you do and in the healing journey because you know, you were talking there about how you work with people who have undergone like a whole bunch of different challenges and, and traumas and issues. I mean, do you feel that you need to go back and to rehash the past and deal with the past? Or can you kind of neutralize everything being here now, listening to your intuition, and then looking at the steps to move forward?
1: That's a great question. I feel like it's important to know how situations In the past are still affecting us so is it necessary to rehash absolutely not but when you think about that event what feelings come up for you how do you how did that change your life how do you feel and act now because that happened Mm -hmm. so let's take that from the past bring it into the present Let's work on changing how this thing has impacted you and how it may impact you going into the future rather than being fearful of it from the past. I think just you know, rehashing the same old stuff keeps you in the past. It's, it's not yeah, helpful. Yeah, I
0: agree with that. You
1: know, it's, it, it keeps you feeling scared. It keeps you whatever. And it's like, you are not that person anymore and it's safe to move forward.
0: Mm. Would you say too that acceptance doesn't mean you have to have like that you're approving of it in any way, but it's just kind of accepting that this is where you are now. And then do you find that with the people that you you work with that once they get to a stage of understanding that that's not who they are anymore, that was a thing that happened to them, but it's not you know, where they are now, that they're able to kind of flip the script a little bit and see some of the blessings and see some of the gifts and the guidance within that? Or is that quite a journey as well? I
1: think it's huge. Acceptance is absolutely huge. Now, as human beings, maybe genetically, maybe whatever, we're taught to fight when things aren't going well, when things are scary, mm-hmm. when we feel attacked, we're taught to fight, right? So don't accept the bad things that are happening, fight it, be a warrior, be a, all those yeah. things. There's been so many times in my life when things have been exceptionally shitty and I have had to say, you know what? You've been fighting this for a long time. What you've been doing, maybe you've had some progress, maybe you haven't, but it's time to stop fighting. And just accept that this is part of your life. Now, does that mean that I don't want to change it or that I didn't work on making my life better or that I was just like, fine, life's going to suck? No, it's the opposite of that. I said, this is the way things are now. I feel horrible, but I'm just going to let that be there for a while because then once I quieted the fight, I could then listen to my feelings and listen to my intuition about what I could do about it instead of being control freak.
0: That's so yeah, good. People
1: it is, you know, it is something that people have to adjust to because they think acceptance means, well, that approvals I stop. Yeah. Approval and just that you stop trying to feel better. Mm. And it's and it's not that at all. You know, um, it's quite the opposite. It's freeing.
0: Yeah, I know. I mean, I I don't know if you and I have talked about him before, but Eckhart Tolle's work is like the biggest thing for me. And he's always talking about, you know, what you resist persists and, you know, when we suffer. It's all young. young. Is it? Okay. Well, fantastic. So when we suffer, it's because we want things to be different than what they are. And that's that's the huge thing. Katie, you know what you made me think about, too, which I'm so glad you did, because I feel like this is a huge question we're constantly inundated with the fight against cancer and the fight against Alzheimer's and the fight against this and the fight against that. And I guess for me, intuitively, it really just doesn't feel right at all. And I guess I'm wondering, you know, with all the work that you're doing in helping people to build in self-love, you know, it's almost the complete polar opposite of the concept of fight against this. Why is it that people are fighting against all of these things? And how do we change the narrative on that to, I mean, I guess a campaign called love your cancer is probably not going to have the same (laughs) impact as like the fight against this. But I guess I'm, I'm really curious about it because we see it everywhere. We see fight against anything and it's like the complete opposite reaction of what you're actually trying to get. It's, it's true. I think a
1: lot of it is traditional medicine, um, you know, pharmaceutical companies, whatever, but traditional medicine is like, no, you need to come see some godlike figure who knows far more than you about your body uh, and you need to go to them and then they will fix you if you pay them money and they don't really fix you because they don't really know how to get to the root cause they don't really know what's causing this stuff. They have to give you medicine to make you come back again and again. Um, but it's this, I, it's interesting because politics plays a role in it too. And I'm not gonna get weird politicky on you because I don't wanna do that. Um, but it's sort of like, I watched this documentary once on um, the, on polio and for good reason, people were flipping out about it and they were terrified and you know, and the documentary talked about how everybody turned to the politicians and the hospitals and the government and said, you have to fix this. You know, we, we cannot live like this. You have to fight this. You have to fix this. And because of that, a lot of things happened with government stuff. And they ended up putting out a vaccine too early and it caused more polio and the the whole, whatever, not getting to that either. But, but it was just like, I think we expect somebody else, somebody on the outside to solve our problems and don't realize that we have that power. And so we are a very fight or flight society. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's how we often respond. And there's not a lot of Zen. There's not a lot of um, accepting other people's viewpoints you know um it's just all of this fighting all the time and that gets us nowhere and it makes us sick so i wish i knew how to change i'm doing my little part you're doing your part you know um all of us who talk about this are doing our part yeah and um yeah because the fight against cancer people have raised billions and billions and billions of dollars and there are no cures. There's just medications that cause really awful side effects, which may have saved people's lives. I'm not this, I don't think anything
0: bad about that,
1: but it's like, has it resulted in a cure? No, Or, or finding the causes most of the time. Not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to what you're saying. You really just need to honor what your intuition is telling you about your journey. And I think a big part about, you know, what I'm learning from you today, and I think it's a big part and the big focus on your on the work you're doing in your book is that people need to take responsibility and that's that when they decide to do that then they can you know they can completely shift the whole direction the trajectory of their life so i guess my question to you yeah. is you know and we're we're nearing the end of our time together here is do you believe that you know we can heal through through anything and and i guess on that question i also am curious about you know what about the people who who know all this stuff and and don't heal through anything i mean maybe it's like louise hey maybe she but that being said maybe it was her time to check out and she knew that intuitively none of our business
1: (laughs) exactly you know i think that i wish that i could explain the reason for everything that happens and most of the time we don't know or we don't find out till later you know like the death of a child or something just horrific like that you know um I mean, dear God, I cannot even imagine, but what I've, what I've learned is that whatever happens to us also impacts other people. So, so sometimes us getting sick or something happening to us is for somebody else around us. It may change mm-hmm. their life. It may, you know, um, I know of, um, a, somebody who she's my client now, she's, um, in her twenties or whatever, but she had a brain tumor when she was very, very young. And that caused somebody she knew to then want to learn more about that and go to medical school and help other people. So wow. we really don't know, you know, the reasons for things. And yeah. maybe some of us are just meant to be here for a short period of time and, and kick-ass while we're here and influence tons of other people. You know, I, I don't know. Um, but I do know that being angry and hating the world and feeling like you don't have any control. Um, when we were growing up, you know, there was a lot of mental illness and nobody addressed it, and nobody did anything about it. Nobody took care of it, and that had horrible results. So, with me, I knew that I had depression, when, which, by the way, went away when I cured, when my Lyme was cured. But Um, I knew when my kids were young, I didn't cause it, it wasn't my fault, but I better stay on top of that shit. You know, Mm. um, when I needed adjustment in medicine or when I needed to say a therapist or whatever, they were the most important thing in my life. So I had to take responsibility for that.
0: Well, that's so good. And I just want to say too, for our listener at home that I did a really amazing interview last year with Rob Schwartz on your pre-birth plan. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Cause it's just an interesting take on how sometimes we set these things up before we come here and we don't always know why <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm to anything. Yeah, it's so good, Katie. So I guess just as we're ending off here, I, I wanted to ask you this question earlier, but we kind of didn't didn't get to it. But do you have some I mean, you sort of alluded to it throughout the entire conversation, actually, but any tips for someone at home who wants to grow in self love? Like, does it start with self care? Does it start with just eating well? Does it start with those small micro steps you were talking about or getting out in nature? or? What are some of your maybe non-negotiables for your own self-healing journey? Maybe your self-love journey, maybe that's even a good place to start.
1: One of the places I recommend people start is that they make a written list of all of the things they can think of about themselves. And and it might be the color of your hair or the color of your eyes, or it might be that you, um, you don't like Brussels sprouts, or I don't care what the thing is. Nothing is too insignificant or significant but just start getting to know and accept who you are. We, we are made up of millions of facets. So start getting to know who you are, start accepting it. Um, start learning more about that. That will help you to then alert you to when you are acting out of, excuse me, um, not self-love. You know, you're like, right. well, I wrote down that I hate Brussels sprouts. Why am I eating them? I and that's like, kind of stupid one, but, but it's not, you know, it's like, this yeah. is what I need. And this is what I identified, but I'm doing the opposite. So you start acting out of self-love, the more you get to know yourself and what you need. And, and it's little, little things, you know, writing down, like, I want to um, like myself more when I look in the mirror and then you realize you're like criticizing yourself. Oh, wait, I'm going against what I wanted, you yeah. know, so it's kind of, you yeah. know, who you are, and then going from there and just being like, okay, this is all the parts of me and, and I'm going to nurture them.
0: Yeah, I know. I like that a lot. And it comes down to your self-awareness and coming back to the present moment to see how you're reacting, where yep. it's like, if you wrote that down and then you see yourself doing the opposite, and you can catch yourself, then you can change your behavior. Exactly yeah I love that Perfect, well congratulations yeah. on such an amazing book I can't wait to continue to, to work through it um, for our listener at home where can they get the book and also is there anything my girl you wanted to ask today or mention that I didn't ask you
1: um you can get it kind of everywhere online um, I recommend the hardcover just because as you've seen there's a lot of there's charts in it and there's yeah. things that are kind of easier to look at if you have it in front of you um i know audio is popular it's on audio it's on kindle um some people have gotten the audio and the hardcover so they can kind of you know look at the charts and stuff while they're reading it but um so yeah it's amazon barnes and noble wherever um if you do not have access to the internet i know some people don't you can go to a bookstore and they can order it for you um so that's an option and um yeah i have some you know workshops coming up and things um so if you follow me on instagram and go on my website and do all that kind of good stuff um i don't email people a lot but that's where i will announce events and um and things like that so that's
0: it perfect thank you and i'll put a link to all that as well in the show notes for a listener at home so it's easy for them well thank you so much katie cool. i love talking to you and i look forward to speaking to you again hopefully in the near future sounds wonderful thank you thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.